This morning's message is entitled, Dominion Through Words. The Lord put this on my heart. Now I have permission to tell this story. So I'm actually going to use her name. I was having a conversation with Sarah. One of the things that we were talking about, because her whole family was sick. Of course, one got sick, and then the other one got sick, and then, the, and then it spread through the whole family. And, and she's like, Lord, this is not fair. Righteousness of God. <laughs> this is not right. Lord, I should be able to pray over my children. I should be able to, to cast this out. I should be able. But I'm not. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> so we were talking about the parable of the growing seed. That when you put seed of God's word in your heart, it starts. Okay? So it's the same thing when we lay hands on somebody. We lay hands on somebody, there is a transfer. God's word is true. There is a transfer. Something is working. The more we put God's word in our heart, the more that word begins to grow. The parable of the growing seed says it starts out small, and then it grows a little bit, and it grows a little bit more, and it grows a little bit more, and finally it's full grown, and finally it's ripe, and ta-da, harvest happens. That's what we want. But if you sow a seed today, are you having harvest tomorrow? <laughs> That's the way we would like it to be. <laughs> uh, but God's word says this is the way the kingdom operates. And we sow the word, and we sow the word, and we water it with the word, and we water it with the Holy Spirit. That word is working. But you've got to keep watering it until it becomes full grown. And then it has to be right. And then we see what we've believed for. Not too long after we had that conversation, I heard a minister say this. He said, faith is not enough. And I thought, well, you, wait, you better fix this. <laughs> what do you mean faith is not enough? And then the Lord reminded me, he's right. I can't tell you how many times, having been in prayer ministry for years and years and years, people come up to a, a prayer altar busting with faith. They have been sowing the word. Their stuff is ripe. I can see that it's ripe. But they're still begging. They don't know how to get what's on the inside of them outside. Years ago, the Lord taught this to me because I was a prayer warrior. I spent Friday nights all night at the church in prayer. I took prayer very seriously. <laughs> and then one day, I went to pray for somebody, and God said, uh-uh, no praying. No praying? You see, faith isn't enough. It says when, when we receive Christ, what do we do? We believe in our heart, and we confess with our mouth. Faith in the heart is not sufficient to make a transfer. A legal transfer comes out of your mouth. It has to come out of your mouth. The word says, out of the abundance of the heart. Abundance, what does that mean? You've sown the word, and you've watered the word, and you've tended the word, and you've cultivated your garden, and you pulled out that wrong believing, and you, all those weeds, and all of a sudden, what you've sown over there becomes fruit over here. But how do you put it in the sickle? How do you take what's ripe and cut that baby off and eat it? <laughs> you have to say it. My daughter, she's been seeking the Lord about this. Lord, I want to lay hands on my babies every time and see them here. I don't want this nonsense running through my house anymore. Then one day, she went to take her dog out, to let her dog out, and a large 
Yellow Jacket flew in the house. Now those things are mean and nasty. They were just made ill-tempered. <laughs> They're looking for somebody to sting. <laughs> and her first reaction was, <gasps> and then she said, no, you get out of here. And to her surprise, it did a circle and went right back out. And she's like, her eyes got big, her jaw dropped. She's like, Lord, I think that thing just heard me. <laughs> and she was telling me about it. I said, yes, that thing did hear you. You see, she has faith. She knows she's the righteousness of God. She has the power. But when she wasn't paying attention, that power came out of her mouth. I texted her last night, and I said, can I use your story? And she said, what story? I said, the story about the yellow jacket. <laughs> she texted back and said, you mean the, the bee that came in the house? Because she had described it to me. It was definitely a yellow jacket. <laughs> and she, she, she texts back. She says, I don't have any yellow jackets. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> this morning, we're going to look at dominion, authority, and how it comes out through our words. Now, we're going to look at it in a kind of a different kind of scenario. Normally, you would probably already know this sermon. But we're going to look at it through Psalms 8. Psalms 8, 1 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth! Who has set thy glory above the heavens? You see, if you're going to talk about dominion and power and authority, you've got to start with where all that starts. <laughs> and it all starts with the Lord. But what I love about Esword is that it explains things to me. You see, I always want to know, what does that word mean? And the first word we have here is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B. Now, when I read Lord, O Lord, that paints no picture for me. It doesn't explain to me what the David is seeing, because we are seeing creatures, okay? When we speak, it's because we're seeing something. What was David seeing? The word Lord is actually the word Yahweh or Yehovah. It is the great I Am. And when he says, O Yahweh, O Lord translated, O Yahweh, he has a picture, because he knows that first of all, it's a covenant name of God. So he has covenant. He has relationship. He has legally binding relationship with the God of the entire universe. And he says, how excellent is thy name? Some translations say majestic. You see, he is in awe. He is, God, look how big you are. God, look how glorious you are. God, look how awesome you are. He is having a good time. You don't really get that from the word Lord. <laughs> but that's what the, all of that, that word means. It is the God who is self-sufficient, self-existent, omnipresent, all-powerful. The God who is all in all. That's who he says my song is to, is to the God who is everything. And then he says, O oh Lord. Our Lord, O Lord, our Lord. The word Lord there is the word Adon. It comes from the word Adonai. It simply means ruler. 
master, owner. So he says, God of the heavens, God of awesomeness, God of glory, God of everything, you own me. <laughs> I am yours, and I am in covenant with you. He knows his source. He is reveling in the fact that the God of everything owns him. Then it goes on. Thou who has set thy glory above the heavens. You see, we're always seeing. He was seeing beyond the heavens. As you'll see in a little while, he's actually writing this song or psalm at night. He's going to talk about what he sees. But here he's saying what he sees beyond what he sees. He looks up into the heavens and he goes, I know that right behind all of this awesomeness I see, you're there. He was seeing through the creation to the Creator. And he was going, oh, such glory, such majesty. Oh, you are awesome. After he does all that, he goes into to verse 2, which says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now, I actually have it in two versions for you to see. I read it out of King James. When I read it in King James, I go, huh? <laughs> what exactly are you trying to tell me? <laughs> so I found in the Holman Christian Standard, it made a lot more sense to me. And he says, because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold. Love that. <laughs> you have established a stronghold from the mouths of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. Stronghold. A stronghold is a bulwark. It is that which secures against an enemy or an external annoyance. It is a screen or a shelter. It is a means of protection and safety. And he says, we can do this with our mouths. Now, when he says nursing infants and mouths of children, Almost no commentator, almost no scholar that I could find, thinks that's literal. There are a few who say, yes, that there is some mystical way that infants praise God. Now, I'm not going to say that's not true. I'm just saying it's not likely. <laughs> because they may be able to, they glorify God, absolutely. We look at the creation of an infant, we go, praise God, what a miracle. But that's really not what he's saying here. You see, he's drawing contrast. He's saying, God, you are so big. How big does God have to be to be beyond the heavens that I can see? He's saying, you are so big. We are like nursing infants and small children. You'll see all through scripture, first of all, God calls the Israelites the children of Israel. And in the New Testament, in Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, this is Jesus speaking, for they shall be called the children of God. John 21, 5 says, Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? I love this one, because I was actually listening to a DVD while I was working around the house. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead and he appears on the shore after he's risen from the dead. In the movie, he actually yells out, Children! And it had caught my ear. I thought, I never noticed that that's what he called them. He called them children. Have you any meat? And they said, no, we have fished all night, and we got nothing. He says, 
throw that nut over the right side. <laughs> and they all go, oh, it's him. <laughs> but what did he call them? Children. It was also not uncommon for a rabbi to have his disciples be called his children. So we have scriptural foundation to say that in Psalms 8, David is most likely not actually talking about literal children. He's talking about us <laughs> as human beings. Matthew 13, 38 says this, and this is where Jesus is talking about the uh, parable of the wheat and the tares. And he says, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. I like this one in particular because it talks about us as children of a kingdom. We have to remember we are children of a kingdom, the king's dominion, our king's dominion. And who is that king? It is the same Yahweh that David spoke of. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in his completeness, the God he could see with eyes of faith beyond the heavens. That's who he was talking about. It's his kingdom. It's his dominion. Matthew 21, 16, Jesus actually quotes this particular scripture. It's when he is uh, entering Jerusalem on the colt, and everyone is yelling out, Hosanna, God saves. God saves. Hosanna, the son of David. They're declaring him Messiah. Can infants declare <laughs> Jesus Messiah? Uh, no. <laughs> Again, we have scriptural reference to believe that he's actually talking about us as human beings. But Jesus actually quotes this out of the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. And he says this, to them, because the scribes and Pharisees are mad, and they come to Jesus and they say, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Now, it is actually the same scripture. It is translated differently. The ordained strength is directly out of the Hebrew. Okay? What happened is the Jewish scholars are the ones who translated the Old Testament into Greek. And they actually used the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the synagogue because it was in the language of the day. It had been translated over several hundred years. So Jesus translates it through the Greek translation. That's why there is no discrepancy. Even though it's the same scripture, it's, there is no discrepancy. It's a matter of how they interpret it. A Hebrew word always contains the root meaning, no matter what happens to that word. It always contains its root, period. Now what this actually means in Hebrew means to establish strength, to make strong, to make a stronghold. That is the literal interpretation of that word. That's what it means. But to a Jew, when God made you strong in an area, what happens is what comes out of your mouth is praise. <laughs> so one says this is the cause, God establishing strength, and the translation into Greek emphasizes the result, perfected praise. When God makes us strong in an area, praise is the response that comes out of our mouth. So that's why it says that. David is contrasting still how big God is and how small he feels. I've done this, I don't know, maybe you have too, where you, you go out and you look at the stars and you think, what am I? I'm so small, you are so big, God. I am so little. What am I? For me, it's when I look at a city at night. And 
You see for miles and miles and miles all the lights. You can tell everybody's home. You're like, God, how is it that you know all of us? How is it that you know my heart and their heart? You know how many hairs are on my head and all of them. How is that possible? What are you doing? You're trying to see beyond the heavens. God, you are so big. You are so able. You are so capable. You are so much more than my tiny little mind can conceive. That was really David's point here, is that how big God was will always come out of your mouth. Now, when things come out of our mouth, you've probably heard lots of teaching on things coming out of your mouth. Some people, some Christians, don't take to this kind of teaching. They say, oh, that's just magic stuff. You know, that's, the magic isn't real. So that's just, you know, casting spells and kinds of things like that. No, 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 that's not, it's not that at all. <laughs> it is not that at all. Whenever I want to change something, the Lord will bring me a scripture sometimes, and I know which one it is. I was like, no, that's not the one I want. <laughs> bring me a different scripture. And he has a tendency to point me to James chapter 3 a lot. And it says this, For in many things we offend all. That doesn't mean we go around offending people. That's not what that means. <laughs> that means we all stumble. This is King James. It simply means we all stumble. We all make mistakes. We all are imperfect. That's all that that means. So, if any man offend not, stumble, in word, the same as a perfect or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. He goes on to draw pictures for us. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which, though they be great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. In other words, he's saying we can change things by what comes out of our mouth. Sometimes I really like the Naaman mentality. Here's the spot, God. Just wave your arm, wave your hand over my spot, Lord, and fix it. It doesn't work that way. He says he has given us power and authority and dominion. Given it to us. You see, the reason people are sometimes so bursting with faith, they put the word in, they put the word in, they put the word in, but they haven't released it with their mouth because they think they're trying to get God to do something when he's already done everything. If you think you're going to get God to do something, we're mistaken. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, what he said is, everything you need is in the cross, was accomplished at the cross. You have the power and authority to pull out of the kingdom. What are we? Children of the kingdom, children of the king's dominion. He says, I'm giving you the power and the authority. You pull it out. That's why when we say, I'm waiting on God, really? <laughs> are you? Because <laughs> he says it's already done. So if we're waiting on something to show up over there that's already done over here, how do we Yet, if we're just waiting, I did that. I did that for four, almost five years. I received my healing. I knew I received my healing for fibromyalgia. I am healed. I had no evidence in my body that I was healed. None. God, I'm waiting on you. Because I'm waiting for the manifestation. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on. I know I'm healed. Come on. I'm trying to get God to go along with me. 
<laughs> Guess what? He can't. It's all ready done. He's not going to pretend with me that it's not. And that's what we do as Christians. We say, I believe I'm healed. Now, let's be careful here. Because sometimes what the Holy Spirit will tell you to do is act like you're healed. Because you are healed. Okay? Sometimes Christians aren't actually sure they're healed. They believe right. We believe right. We have right believing. But we haven't changed anything. And what I did when I wanted to manifest, see, I had to pull the manifestation out. I spent two weeks watching every healing testimony I could watch on Andrew Womack. Why? Because you put the seed in. I've been putting seed in for years about my healing. Seed go in. Seed go in. Seed go in. I'm watering. I'm wa- Guess what? I got all the faith I need because I have the faith of Jesus. I've grown my little, my little plant to ripeness, but I haven't used my mouth and taken what belonged to me. And so that when I realized that by agreement with somebody, we learned this in school, that's the power of agreement. Wherever two or more agree, you pull what belongs to you. So I went up for a prayer that one morning, and I knew, and this is the thing, this is how you know you're ripe, and it's time to put in the sickle. You know. You just plain know. No ifs, no ands, no buts. If you don't know that you're healed, you're not ripe. That's okay. <laughs> just know that you're not ripe. <laughs> but if you keep watering your seed, you keep putting that word in regarding your healing or your finances or whatever it is, you put that in there, it's growing. God says his word always works. Always, 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 always. It never fails. It's incapable of failing. It's incorruptible. If we know that, if we're convinced of that, then we know we have what we have. But my faith, my plant, my little picture of the inside may not be fully persuaded. Abraham had to be fully persuaded. So when I went up that morning to get agreement, I was fully persuaded. I knew I was taking home healing. It wasn't, I hope so. I hope God does something. No, God's already done it. He says, you have to pull it out. Sometimes we have what we would call a faith failure. We think we believe. I said this to God. God, I believe in as hard as I can believe. I'm believing as hard as I can believe. Why don't I see anything? God, I'm, I'm doing my best to believe really hard. <laughs> he says, keep believing. Keep believing. Because why? Because my plant is growing. And at one point, I'm going to know, know what he has done is done in me. 31 years ago, I was Poe. I was still Poe. <laughs> and uh, my first husband lacked employment. <laughs> and so I thought, well, somebody needs to work. <laughs> so I will go get a job to take care of the family. And I'm applying for jobs, and I find out I'm pregnant. And it's like, Lord, this is the last thing I need. I need to be able to feed the ones I got. I don't need more. <laughs> And I wasn't happy about the fact that I was pregnant. Because I saw it initially as more responsibility, adding to the problem. (laughs) And of course you get over the initial, this is not what I wanted right now. And you're thrilled. 
But Satan came to talk to me and said, you know what? You didn't want this baby, so it's going to be deformed. Now, the church I went to had no answers, none, for bad things that happen. Sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't. Whatever happens must be God's will. Okay? So I had no one I could talk to about this because I already knew what they believed. Lord, is that who you are? I need to know. Lord, do you do that? Would you punish my child because of a weakness in me? God, would you do that? Is that who you are? You know what? I didn't know the answer. I had lots of weeds in my garden. (laughs) I had lots of wrong teaching and wrong understanding. So I began to seek the Lord. God, is that who you are? God, is that who you are? God, I need to know, is that who you are? And I got into the Word, and I got into the Word, and I'm sowing seed, and I'm sowing seed. God, is that who you are? And one night, the Lord said to me, No, not who I am. I said, Lord, what about my baby? He said, You will take your baby home three days after he's born, perfectly normal. From that time on, I had perfect peace. I knew. Now, does Satan leave me alone? Oh, no. (laughs) Just because you know doesn't mean he knows. (laughs) He would come and say, your baby's going to be deformed. Your baby's going to be deformed. I'm taking my baby out of my mouth. I'm taking my baby home from the hospital three days after he's born, perfectly normal. I just kept saying it. (laughs) The time came for my son Joe to be born. As soon as he was born... There was obviously something wrong. They've got things sucking, and they said, oh, he's probably just aspirated, and we'll just take him into the other room. Nothing's, nothing's wrong. <laughs> and they took him away, and they were fixing me up, and my husband at the time was in the hallway, and he overheard the nurses. Oh, that poor baby. Oh, that poor baby. Probably won't make it. Oh, that poor baby. Now, he doesn't know who they're talking about yet. So he comes in and he tells me, there's some baby that was just born, probably not going to make it. Not my baby, because I'm taking my baby home three days after he gets here. (laughs) I had no fear. I had been speaking the promise of God. The doctor comes in and he says, you're scheduled to have a tubal ligation tomorrow morning. I said, yes, I am. (laughs) And he goes, you have to know. We can't make you any promises regarding your baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, There's something wrong with his lungs. We've taken x-rays. It looks like his lungs are inside out. We can't explain this. And I just went, oh, like Sarah did with her yellow jacket. Oh, first little initial, I, I heard what you said. And then I, I instantly leaned to the Lord. Lord, and he said, I told you. Three days after he's born, you'll take him home. I said, okay. And he goes, what? Okay. I said, I want the two legations still. He goes, you need to understand. He thinks I'm dumb. (laughs) You need to understand. We can't make you any promises about your baby. If you have a two legation tomorrow, you can't replace it. I'm thinking, well, that's dumb anyway. 
<laughs> you don't replace babies. <laughs> as soon as I heard the Lord say, remember I told you. I said, no, I'm having the obligation tomorrow. And I had this perfect peace. I knew. It didn't matter what they said. I knew. And I had the strangest, weirdest peace. My brain kept saying, shouldn't you be worried? <laughs> My brain kept saying, um, did you hear what the doctor said? But I knew. I had my surgery the next day. The following morning, the doctor comes in and he says, um, we can't exactly explain this. We're just calling your baby a miracle baby because we can't explain this. We took 67 x-rays of your child when he was born. His lungs were inside out. But he appears to be perfectly normal. <laughs> and I took my baby home three days after he was born. Perfectly normal. Praise God. But see, when Satan came along and said to me, it's your fault. See, I believed that. It is my fault. I was bad. Oh, no. God is going to punish me. You see, you, we get what we believe even when it's not good. So for all those months, when I'm seeking God, God, is that who you are? God, is that who you are? Do you really do things like that? Because I was believing what the enemy had to say, it was producing in my womb what I believed. And it took the power of God coming out of my mouth, power and authority. I am a child of the kingdom. And I release my power and authority with my words. So we can change stuff with the power of our words. That's what James was actually talking about. He said, what you put in your mouth, you see, the word goes in our ears, and it goes down into our heart, but then it has to come out of our mouth. That's why you release your authority. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't open your mouth, you're not going to see change. And that's why he draws these pictures. My dad was in the Navy. He worked on destroyers and, I mean, just huge things. They have no right to float. They're gigantic. <laughs> but they're turned. They're turned around, completely changed by a little thing, by a rudder. This is our rudder. Our life, and I didn't used to like this, our life is produced by what comes out of our mouth. But I would rather blame God because that's a whole lot easier. God, this is your fault my life is like this. He says, no, honey. <laughs> it's what's coming out of your mouth. No, God, it's your fault. No, honey, it's your fault. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you have. You don't know what you can do. In Second Chronicles 36, 22, I'm not going to go into the story of this. I just want you to see what is underlined here. It says this, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah, might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus the king of Persia. We would say it this way, so that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. How does God get his word into this realm? The mouth of a man. Not only is it the word of the scripture that we need to put into our mouth, but it is hearing the word of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith is activated by the word of Christ. It isn't the Logos. It is the Rhema. It is that personal relationship. So that when you have a question like, God, is that who you are? Is this what you do? 
You hear him speak to you so that the word of God to you comes out your mouth. The word of the Lord for Jeremiah was for the people who would hear it. It was the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, and it came through his mouth. What is ever in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Proverbs 16.23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. I love this one. You see? Because our heart grows the word. So if I see in my, in my garden of my life, there's a space lacking. <laughs> I'm lacking in the finance department. Well, I know what to grow. I know what to plant. If I'm lacking in the health department, I know what to grow. Get those seeds on healing. Start planting them so that what is already done in the kingdom can be pulled out. We can tell our heart what to believe. We can teach our heart by putting in God's word about who he is, what he's done, who we are, put it into our heart. So that is what comes out of our mouth. We can add learning. We can add learning to our lips. In Proverbs 18.21, I like this one. This is actually the Brenton English version of the Septuagint. I like it because it doesn't say the King James Version, which says that they that love it. I like this better. It makes much more sense. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. My son, his life was dependent on what came out of my mouth. His life was dependent on what came out of my mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that rule it, rule what? Their tongue. They that rule their tongue shall eat the fruits thereof. It is all what comes out of our mouth. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. It works both directions. We usually hear this quoted for the sake of the positive. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yay, good. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> because out of the abundance of the heart, it might not be good. It's a matter of what is in abundance in your heart. Jesus said to his persecuted believers in Luke twenty-one fifteen, I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all of your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Jesus knew that out of your mouth becomes your destiny. Out of your mouth comes your future. Out of your mouth comes your protection. Out of your mouth comes your provision. Out of your mouth, because it is all about authority and dominion. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word of God always works. Always works. So important that we put it in our heart so that it comes out of our mouth. Psalm 8, verse 3 says this, When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Here he is again. He's telling us what he's seeing. He is in awe of all that God has created. And then he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I love this, the son of man. You know what he's saying? God, you are awesome. You are, you are just so amazing. What is man? Oh, sons of Adam even. Because that's what that means. What is man? Son of Adam? 
Do we know Adam's reputation? <laughs> that was his that was his point. What why? We're sons of Adam, Lord. Why would you care so much? But see, he starts to here turn the song, turn the song from God you are so big and I am so small to wait. You are so big. And you do remember me. That's what the word mindful means. And you do visit me. That means to take care of. And he says, creation is so magnificent. I am so not. (laughs) But yet, you honor me. You love. He begins to see grace. He begins to see Yes, I am nothing. I'm even a son of Adam. But you take care of me for no other reason than you want to. You take care of me because you can, because it's your heart. It's who you are. In his smallness, he begins to feel the honor that God has given him. By remembering God's tender covenant-keeping care, he begins to sense that he is valued by God himself. He begins to see the grace, the unmerited favor, the absolutely free loving kindness, even though he's a son of Adam. Good news. Good news. We're no longer sons of Adam. We're sons of God. And the same care, the same remembering that, that David spoke of is the same grace that is available to us on a much grander scale. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Yahweh, our Father, our Papa, our daddy God, put away all sin of mankind and put it on Christ. Why? Because he so loves mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 5 of Psalms 8 says this, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. The word there, angels, is the word Elohim. It is the only place in the Old Testament that they translate the word Elohim as angels. If you go to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim was the the plural form of God. It was God's word for creator. God was Elohim. He says, you have made man, and most scholars say he's talking about Adam before he fell. You have made Adam a little lower than God, a little lower than Elohim. But we didn't lose that. We didn't lose our value. Now, we didn't have immortality. God created us to be rulers on this earth. He said, let us make man in our image and give them dominion. Dominion simply means you get to be in charge. God said basically, here, here's the keys to the whole world. Don't screw it up. (laughs) Because the world is mine but I'm giving you rulership. You get to run the place. Manage it. Make the whole world look like the garden. That's your assignment. What happened was, of course, Satan tricked him. He made him doubt. He was deceived, but he made Adam doubt that what God said was true, that they would die. Even in that, if we go to Genesis 1-1 where he says, I have given them dominion. It says dominion over everything. Dominion over the cattle and the fish and the everything. You have dominion over everything. You have power and authority and the right to command, the right to rule on this earth. We didn't lose it. 
It just became under the subjection of Satan. Because Adam, before he fell, was under subjection to God. Satan basically tricks them into submitting to him. They didn't lose their power of dominion. It just became limited. Because we eat all the things that he lists. We still do have dominion over all the creepy things on the earth. We catch them, we put them in zoos, we have dominion. But it's limited. What we lost was the submission to the source. And what Christ did was he reconnected us to the source of all dominion and power. He reconnected us to the God beyond the skies. He connected us to Yahweh, the self-sufficient, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. That's what Christ did. And he said, I've given you all power over all the power of the enemy. Why did Jesus have authority on this earth? He was a man, 100% man, 100% God, 100% man. But he left all of his kingly privileges in heaven. He came to be just like us. Why did Satan have no power over him? Why did Jesus never get sick? Why did Jesus never have poverty? Why? Because he was the righteousness of God. He was a perfectly legal, righteous man. And if you're legally righteous, Satan has no ability to touch you. No right to touch you. He has to trick you into giving up your power and your authority and your dominion, just like he did with Adam and Eve. The truth is, Jesus came and was for us an example. He was a pure, righteous, holy man, filled with a pure, righteous, holy God, and anointed with the pure, righteous, holy spirit. And nothing was impossible for him. And guess what? We are, by the blood of Jesus Christ, made the righteousness of God. We are legally righteous. We have the legal right to rule and reign in this earth. We have the right to command everything to obey us. As long as we keep ourselves under the submission of the Lord. We can't go off and be tonto, you know, <laughs> do our own thing. <laughs> we have all the power and authority the Lord Jesus Christ himself had. Psalms 8.6 says, Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all, all. You know what the Hebrew meaning for all is? All. I put all things under his feet. All sheep, all oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. Whatsoever, we're supposed to have power and authority and dominion. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus says this, Behold, I have given, past tense, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nothing. What the Greek word for nothing means? Nothing! <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and then the very last verse of, of Psalm 8 is this. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He ends where he begins. In awe of who Yahweh, Papa God, his mercy, his grace, that he so loved his creation. We were his crowning creation. When David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He didn't understand. You're my crowning creation. I saved you for last. You were not made for creation. Creation was made for you. This is your playpen. This is, this is all for you. You were not made for it. 
when he's going through this psalm and this song, you see his heart turn, where he begins to realize, yes, you are so big. Yes, you are so powerful. But yes, you are so loving. And yes, you're so loving. What the Lord wanted me to encourage you to do, challenge you to do, is one, understand your authority. You have been given authority. Your faith won't work without it. Your faith won't work without it. You have to let your authority be released with you and take dominion. It has been given to us. It's our right. But Jesus won't do it for you. I wish he would. <laughs> if he would just run everything, you know, without our help, without our cooperation, but it doesn't work. One of the things the Lord says to me all the time is co-rule, yes. Co-ray, yes. Cooperate. <laughs> K Lord. <laughs> if we want to co-rule and co-reign, we're going to have to cooperate. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are, you are above and beyond the heavens. But not just there. You fill this earth with your presence. Father God, you desire that we, as believers, legally righteous human beings, filled with the power of God, would take dominion over all of this world. That every ear should hear the loveliness of Jesus. That every heart should be able to receive the loveliness of Jesus. Father God, that nothing should in any way hurt us. You have given us the power and authority to cast down every stronghold, to cast down every attack of the enemy. You have given us the ability to walk as you walk. Help us, Lord Jesus, to co-rule, co-reign by cooperating. We submit ourselves to your Lordship. We submit ourselves to your leadership so that through us, you get to be king even on earth today. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.